Welcome to The Good Budget Way, where we share real-life stories of everyday people from all walks of life who spend, save, and give to what's truly important in life. In Season 2, we're doing a deep dive into one person's journey, with debt. I'm your host, Chien. Thanks for sharing about the money choices that you've made, and how you're learning to see the trade-offs more clearly. And of course, we always love to see you all subscribing to the podcast and leaving your reviews. This is the third episode of seven in season two of The Good Budget Way. Last time, we heard all about the circumstances behind how Carissa took out her very first loan and the mindsets that got her further and further into debt. By the tender age of 22, she had $40,000 in student loans, a car loan, and some credit card debt at her favorite store. One of the most intriguing parts of our conversation was the way she talked about the loan disbursements feeling like magical miracles and how that shaped her views of spending and earning money. So if you haven't heard that episode, go back and give it a listen. On today's episode, Carissa will share about the moment she had a shocking wake-up call and when she realized that she didn't want to carry this debt around for the rest of her life. She'll talk about the feeling that she never wanted to have ever again and she'll share what motivated her to make a big change in her journey with debt, plus how to have fun on a budget. And at the end, we'll get to reflect ourselves on what motivates us. Welcome back, Carissa. Thank you for having me back. Looking forward to another fun conversation today. So just to mark where we are in the conversation, so far, you've shared with us how you got into $40,000 in debt. And now I want to start off with you sharing with us about the time that you first realized that you wanted to start paying it off more than just the minimums. Yeah, so (laughs) that sort of kind of hit me when I got my first delinquent loan letter. Wait, Um, how did you get a delinquent loan letter? If you had been, I thought you'd been making the minimum payments on stuff. Yeah, so did I. So the Uh-oh. story goes, well, let me take you back a little bit. So to the day I actually got the letter. Mm-hmm. So I was coming home from work and I think it was in January. So it was dark by the time I was getting into my house. And so I'm like pulling out the, getting to the mailbox and pulling out the mail. And mm-hmm. it's like a stack of grocery store flyers and so I'm just like oh this is not important let me just like throw it on the counter mm-hmm. um so then I'm as I'm like piecing through it I notice this letter and and big bright red letters it says delinquent oh. Like, oh my gosh is this like spam or <laughs> yeah um what is this so I open it up and it's uh it's a letter that's saying you have a student loan that's about to become delinquent if you don't start paying on it right away and I was super surprised because you're right. I thought I was paying everything on time yeah. um, and paying all the minimums on everything. But what had happened was this particular loan, for some reason, wasn't showing up on my online portal where I made my payments. Mm-hmm. And the, well, the one that you didn't realize existed until like your junior year of college. Exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then the bills had been going to my old address. Oh. So I was never receiving the the, the payment notices. So this loan, it wasn't in the portal because it was like with a different bank or something? It might have been. I don't even know the details. I just, yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, and so they were sending it to an address you used to live at, Mm -hmm. but then it wasn't being forwarded. It wasn't until this 
this uh, letter. Oh, gosh. Yeah, which I'm grateful that that letter <laughs> did finally get forwarded to me. Otherwise, uh-huh. maybe I would have never known. Yeah. So what did the letter say exactly? It, it mostly was just that, you know, start paying right away. And uh-huh. otherwise, these things will happen. And like, here's how you can make your payment. This is the amount that's due. Uh-huh. Um, and it was a lot. <laughs> it was several thousand dollars. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. For the several thousand dollars, was that something that you were going to be able to like pay right away? Or did you have an emergency fund? I did have an emergency fund. It wasn't, you know, like a huge sum of money. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could have paid it right away. In mm. my head, that's not what I was thinking. My thought mm. was like, this is, you know, if I use this, if, you know, my emergency fund for this, then I'll have like zero emergency. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and is, what if something else happens? Exactly. Yeah. It, right. Exactly. So it, it felt a little bit like I was trapped because it was something that was just so far outside of my my plan um, to pay minimums on everything. <laughs> um, and it was just such a huge amount of money. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, it was it was definitely a, a big shock. Yeah. I can imagine that even though you did have an emergency fund, it still would feel really shocking because mm-hmm. it's not like you necessarily thought that was what your emergency fund was for, right? You had a plan for how you were dealing with your loans. You were making payments on all of them. You thought you were on track. You thought you were being responsible and keeping track of everything, at least making the minimum payments and paying those bills on time. Um, But then all of a sudden someone comes in like in big red letters, delinquent. And then, yeah, I can see how that would be really shocking. Yeah, definitely. And I think, too, I don't know if people, when they make emergency funds, do they actually think that they're going to ever need to use them? (laughs) Yeah. I think there's that little bit like, oh, yeah, this is I'm actually never going to be able or never going to have to touch this. Mm -hmm. And so for me. Like, not even being an adult for that long, I'm mm-hmm. already, like, thinking about, oh, do I, am I going to have mm-hmm. to to go that route? So for you, what did you think your emergency fund was for? Or what did it mean to you? I think it was de- – it definitely was a safety net. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think in my head I thought it was for something like a medical emergency maybe or, mm-hmm. like, something happened with my car mm-hmm. or if I were to, you know, like, lose a job and I would need to pay rent for mm-hmm. – Mm-hmm. you know, several months, things mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Which is different than like, oh, I got a bill I didn't even know about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Huh. Okay. So because we work together, you've heard me go on my little emergency fund soapbox before. Um, but for the sake of our listeners, I'll share. Um, one of the things that I think is super important about emergency fund that you just talked about is being really specific to yourself about what it's actually for so that you know One, like what kind of situations you'd actually use it in, whether it's losing a job or some kind of major medical emergency. Um, And that helps us in a couple of ways. One is it helps us actually guesstimate how much is an appropriate amount to put in an emergency fund, Um, whether we tend to be more on the oversaving side or the undersaving side. Um, folks who tend to be on the oversaving side might kind of be like, oh, I need an emergency fund. And it and the main thing that I feel about that is it's a safety net, it's a security. Um, and so the number for that could become like almost infinite. Like how much money do you need in order to feel quote unquote safe or secure? Um, it's really hard to put a number on that, right? But if, if it's actually about, okay, well, I want to have something in place in case I lose a job for a certain number of months, you can actually put a number on how much that emergency fund would be f- um, the amount and then stop at a certain point. 
Um, and then the other side of that, being really specific about what it's actually for, then it helps us, those of us maybe who tend to be on the undersaving or, or more likely to spend side, it helps us remember not to touch the emergency fund unless it's actually for one of the specific kinds of emergencies that we listed um, to ourselves ahead of time, whether, again, losing a job or a major medical emergency, things of that nature, um, so that it doesn't get kind of like cross that gray line into like, oh, you know, I had an emergency to attend my friend's wedding. That's not really an emergency exactly, right? That's the kind of thing that we actually can plan for and, and we can make choices to spend more or less depending on how we want to do that. Um, so I'll stop talking about emergency funds now. Okay. Oh, no, I do have one more thing about emergency funds. It connects to this idea in the good budget way that we talk about safer big expenses, right? In For almost all of us, um, we're not going to have a, a really big emergency like losing a job or a major medical situation this particular month, but fairly likely that sometime in our lifetime it'll happen to us, right? So we want to save for big expenses like that in advance so that we know that when those things do happen, we have some options. We've got a backup plan. Okay, so I want to go back a little bit to this moment that you got the letter. For you, why was getting the letter so significant? Right, because people get have lots of bills, right? And you were carrying debt before, but why did this particular incident kind of really shake you and make you want to rethink things? I think because it was just so shocking, right? Mm -hmm. Like I, I thought I was doing okay, and, mm -hmm. and um, you know, my plan to pay minimums and everything was working out. You know, I, I just thought that I was I was going to be fine, and then mm -hmm. this letter came, and it just totally rocked my world and mm. made me realize that or, or, or kind of made me think, you know, how many other things could be out there that oh, I don't know about. Yeah. Um, and then am I not prepared enough? Mm. Um, is this really the smartest choice to try to just pay minimums on everything? Do I want to, you know, try to get out of debt faster? It, mm -hmm. it kind of just made me start thinking about those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it kind of like, yeah, catapulted me into that direction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I could see that. It made you think about is there anything else out there like that um, for you? Any other outstanding loans? And then what does it mean about my the choices I'm making to keep paying the minimums on everything and be, stay in debt for a long time? Is that actually going to work out in the long run? I could see that. Um, so it sounds like you kind of were in this place prior to getting the letter where you were thinking, yeah, you can pay the minimums on stuff and buy whatever you wanted almost or, last time we were talking about how you were kind of living the life right like you could get a car without any income and you could buy clothes at a store that you liked without any income um because of this debt that you were taking on um but it sounds like at this point this was a little bit different because the timeline wasn't forever the timeline was really short like you had to pay it soon um so how was that different to you that kind of the long future where you couldn't see the end versus like right now it's due, big chunk of money. Mm -hmm. Well, definitely put things into perspective. Um, right, yeah, I, I had to pay it immediately. Um, and so for me, that was just like a clear cut, like, okay, that whole lie that I've been telling myself, it, it wasn't actually going to work. And, mm -hmm. and the I, I am going to have to face these choices a lot sooner than I, than mm -hmm. I thought I was going to have to face them. Mm-hmm. Or maybe that you're just going to have to face them, period. Yes. 
Yeah. Right? Whereas exactly. before it was kind of, it didn't really feel like you had to face them because the future mm-hmm. was so far away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So it sounds like at some point then you decided that getting out of debt was your way forward. Yeah, exactly. Um, and what was it that you wanted or didn't want that kind of drove you to make that decision? I think I didn't want to feel like that ever again. Mm. The feeling of being really unstable and kind of insecure. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to feel stability. I wanted to know that mm. I was um, on good financial footing and that I think too, I was kind of faced with the the reality that my plan wasn't a very good one. Mm-hmm. Um and that I could make other choices that were mm-hmm. probably better. Yeah, it sounds like you were telling yourself, oh, what I really care about is stability um, rather than this instability. Um, and that's kind of what the wake up call did for you. It mm-hmm. made you realize like, oh, what I'm doing is actually really unstable and I don't like that feeling. Um, and what I want is to feel a little more stable and feel like I've got my financial house in order. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's an interesting kind of connection to this idea of budget with a why. Because your why was stability, right, as opposed to instability. Sometimes the why can be some really deep core um, value and and just an experience that you want to have. The other thing that I'm hearing you talk about is that you could make other choices. um, And that, I think, it connects to a couple different ideas. Um, One, in the good budget way, one is say goodbye to guilt. I really don't hear you kind of beating yourself up about like, oh, why did I do this for the last four or five years? It was such a terrible choice. It more was just the sense of like, oh, okay, now I'm awake and what am I going to do? And I think that's so key to actually moving forward, um, allowing ourselves to recognize like, oh yeah, I made these choices. I didn't like them. I don't like how they make me feel, but I'm not going to make myself feel even worse about it. Um, And so so I'm going to say goodbye to guilt and then instead adapt along the way, which is um, for you beginning to make this turn to, okay, I want to get out of debt. I got to figure out how to do that. So those are two really key ideas in the good budget way that you were, you were living, that you were doing. One of the other things that really stood out to me you were talking about just now is that you were paying attention to how you felt, right? You said, I didn't want to feel unstable, insecure. I wanted to feel stability. Um, and I think that's interesting because In all of our experiences with money, we have feelings, right? We're people. um, And sometimes we can push those feelings down or we just kind of ignore them. We let them go. Um, But it sounded like you allowed those to be a little bit of a flag for you, for you to notice like, oh, hey, look over here. Maybe the fact that I'm feeling this way means something, right? Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you feel a certain way and you're like, okay, head over heart or mind over matter, and I just got to move forward. Um, But other times the feeling kind of can alert you to, oh, there's something going on here that I want to pay attention to. Mm. Um, So yeah, I don't, what do you think about that kind of connection between the money and the feelings? Yeah, I think that's definitely true of of where I was at. Mm. I think I would kind of, and maybe it's because I I had been working at Go Budget for some time before that letter came. Mm. So maybe my kind of thoughts about spending, saving, and giving were already kind of changing. Mm-hmm. But I think in that moment, I was able to think about, okay, the choices I was making before were sort of like fun choices. Mm. Um, and I don't want to make it sound like I think that they're bad because they were fun, but I think mm-hmm. I was kind of like we're, you were We're big saying, proponents of fun, actually, at Good Budget. Well, yes, yeah, <laughs> right. Fun, but wise, I would say. Sure, yes. Um, 
yeah, the whole, I, I think I realized in that moment that the those patterns and spending habits that I was creating for myself like weren't sustainable. Mm. Um, and so when I had that feeling of, oh, this is, this is bad, I think I was kind of, it, yeah, I wanted to connect that um, with a better choice mm-hmm. going forward. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I want to circle back to this idea of fun. Because I had just mentioned briefly that we're big proponents of fun here at Good Budget. And then you had said fun but wise. So the, for me, the reason that I say we're big proponents of fun is that I think any budget that's really going to work needs space for fun. Primarily, that's because we're human and we're people. Not to say that we're human and we're weak, but that we're human and we're designed to enjoy life, right? We're in di- designed to have fun, to be creative. And in order for us to actually live into a budget that treats us like humans, um, as opposed to like robots, we need to have space for that kind of thing because that's who we are. Um, But it's interesting to talk about it as fun but wise, right? Because there is a way that we could say, okay, we're human, we need fun, we're made to have fun, let's make our budget all about fun and kind of not give ourselves any kind of limits that enable us to live that fun in a way that feels like freedom as opposed to a way that feels like fun now, but will bite us in the butt later. So I want to know from you, what would fun but wise have looked like for you in your budget in that time frame when you had the loans that you were paying back minimums on, if you could revise that part of your story hmm. going backwards? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I think it might have been like setting myself, right, because we've talked about how much I like clothes Mm -hmm. in the gap. I think it would have been giving myself a clear-cut budget to spend Mm -hmm. on clothing Mm -hmm. and then making sure that I pay my credit card off in full every month. That's Mm -hmm. not something that I did. Mm -hmm. Um, In my head, the credit card limit was just this vast amount that I could spend, and as long as I hadn't hit the limit, like Mm -hmm. I I could continue spending, and it didn't matter how much. Yeah. Right. Oh, that's an interesting idea. This notion of limits, right? Mm-hmm. Is the limit the credit card limit or is the limit the one that you give yourself in your budget? Right. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So if you were to have given yourself a clear cut envelope for a close, um, you could have still enjoyed the fun experience for you of shopping, of for we've talked about this before, you're, the creativity that you're expressing as you engage in like choosing different kinds of clothes and outfits and that kind of thing um, without necessarily the negative consequences that actually would have felt like the opposite of fun um, when you had the deck, the debt stacked up that you had to pay off later. Right. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you for sharing your thoughts about fun and um, money and feelings. And thank you again for sharing this particular part of your story, your journey, where you had this wake up call where you got to realize like, oh, maybe what I'm doing is not really working. And what's that's my opportunity to rethink things. So next week, we'll come back and chat more. And we're looking forward to hearing what you did with that wake up call. Wow, I am just trying to imagine what it might have been like to be Carissa getting that letter in the mail that had the giant red letters on it saying delinquent. I think I would have been totally shocked and shaken too. I love the part of the conversation where she was sharing about what's truly important to her, how she values stability and really did not want to feel that sense of instability or insecurity again. And 
I liked how she was talking with us about how her choice to stay in debt for a long time didn't line up with her why, her purpose, values. She realized that she wasn't budgeting with her why. In her case, it was stability. And that got her started on a path to some big changes. That brings us to today's reflection question for all of us. The way that we spend, save, and give are like a mirror to us. They reflect what we value, what's truly important to us. So if someone else were to take a look at your spending, saving, and giving patterns, what would they say looks like is important to you? And then we can take a minute and reflect, is that truly important to me? So we've got a whole blog series on this idea. It's at goodbudget.com mirror. And it helps us to see our money choices, reflect on what's truly important to us, and make a plan. Now, the first big tip in that series is to take a look at your spending by envelope report in Good Budget. And that's where you can see where the money's really going. Once you see where the money's really going, then you can think, is that really where I want it to go? Is that really what's truly important to me? So in my particular case, in my spending by envelope report, I see that my family spends almost half our budget on housing and childcare. Every time I see that, I just feel this like, ugh. So if someone else looked at that, they'd say, wow, you must really care about where you live and you must really care about putting your kids in that particular kind of childcare or maybe about working instead of staying home. And to that, I'd say, well, yeah, we've made a long-term commitment to this place, this neighborhood that we live in, the community of people that's part of it. And we've also built relationships with the people who care for our kids and we value the opportunity that we have to work outside the home, in my particular case, for Good Budget, which is a place that I get to empower and inspire folks to spend, save, and give to what's truly important in life. Now, we'd love to hear from you about what you think. If someone else were to take a look at your spending by envelope report, what would they say you value? And is that truly important to you? Let us know what you think at goodbudget.com podcast. Now this season, we're going deep into Carissa's story of how she was empowered to pay off over $40,000 in debt in less than two years. But she's not the only one who's paid off debt with Good Budget. In this next clip, you'll hear from Tom Gibson, who used Good Budget with his wife throughout their debt payoff journey. Their story is so inspiring that we asked him to share a few tips about how they utilized Good Budget while paying off debt. And what's great is that these tips apply to folks with debt and without. Take a listen. Howdy, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Tom Gibson, and recently me and my wife were able to pay off $120,000 of medical school loans, completely erasing our entire debt in about four years. And a big part of our journey was being able to stay organized in our budget and in our finances using Good Budget. And today I've got three tips for you about using Good Budget as you're working to get out of debt and stay on top of your finances. The first is to create a reimbursement envelope. This is super helpful in a situation like, say, me and my sister are buying a gift for one of our parents for Christmas, and the gift is $100, and we pay $50 each. I go ahead and buy the gift, and then while I'm doing my budgeting, I haven't received the $50 from her yet. And so to kind of figure out, well, which envelope should I take this out of, the reimbursement envelope solves that problem. 
when I mark that $100 transaction, I split it up into multiple envelopes. The first is $50 into my own giving envelope, and the second is $50 into the reimbursement envelope. And so that sends the reimbursement envelope to negative $50. And that shows me, oh, somebody owes me $50. And I'll make a note on that transaction that says, sister owes me $50. Whenever she pays me the $50, I go ahead and put it in the envelope, and then the balance of the reimbursement envelope is now back to zero. The second tip is to utilize the save and new button when you're recording a bunch of transactions in a row. Generally, I was doing my budget on the first or second of the month, but all of my transactions were from the month prior. So if I did a transaction for February 15th for $20, I put it in the right envelope, I would click save and then I do new transaction and it would default to today's date, which was maybe March 3rd or something like that. And I would have to go back to February 15th or February 16th, whenever that next transaction was. And then doing that every single time ended up being kind of time consuming. I didn't realize that the save and new button not only opened up a new transaction, but the date of that new transaction is the same date as the previous transaction that you just did. So instead of having to set the date back to February 15th or something like that, it's already at February 15th and maybe I keep it at February 15th or maybe now I can just change it to the 16th. It saved a ton of time just having that default date be the same date as the previous transaction. And I didn't actually realize that that's what it did until maybe three months ago. The third tip is to utilize the spending versus budget report, but set it up for the previous year. A lot of times it was kind of hard for me to tell whether I was budgeting just a little bit less or budgeting a little bit too much because all of our income wasn't coming in on the first of the month and then being emptied by the last day of the month. My wife gets paid every two weeks and then I get paid at the end of the month. So sometimes we would go into the red, but it wasn't always because we overspent on the budgeting. It's just because we haven't compensated for the fact that we're getting more income later in the month. And so a good way to actually see, am I going under budget or am I going over budget or am I actually actually staying on track for the most part is to utilize that spending versus budget yearly report and start to see trends. Looking at only a couple months doesn't really give you the bigger picture of what your normal spending habits is, but looking at over the course of a year, if you've been using good budget long enough, you can actually start to see, okay, in the long run over the course of the year, I spent just a little bit less than I budgeted or spent just a little bit more than I budgeted or I spent a lot more than I budgeted and I wasn't even really able to catch that. So even if you can't do a year, six months works out great and this just helps you kind of fine tune your budget as you go to match the habits that you're setting or to give you the insights to pull back in some of your spending in certain areas. Or if you realize that you're over budgeting in a certain envelope, you can begin to move some of that money into other envelopes that maybe you're under budgeting in. And there you have it. I hope those three tips will be helpful to you as you continue to budget and take control of your finances. It's so cool to hear that Tom and his wife were able to pay off $120,000 of debt in four years. You can hear more about their inspiring journey out of debt on Tom's YouTube channel at Gibson EDU. That's one word. And he also has an educational podcast as well titled The Tom Gibson Podcast. T-H-O-M, Tom. One of our favorite things that he's doing as a classroom teacher is helping students learn financial literacy through a classroom economy where they have jobs and businesses in class. We'll link to his channel in our show notes, so definitely check him out. Next time, we'll hear how Carissa put together a plan to pay off her debt 
and really get into nuts and bolts. She'll also share how she felt when she made her first big payment. Spoiler alert, she was not on cloud nine the whole time. Thanks for listening to The Good Budget Way. If you enjoyed this podcast, subscribe for new episodes every Monday and leave a review to help other folks find it too. And if Carissa is inspiring you to budget with a why, get started on your budget with our customizable tools at goodbudget.com or look for the Good Budget app on Google Play or the App Store. Happy budgeting.